Uh, earlier this week, I was listening to a show that was telling um, a story about a guy whose name was Shalom. And uh, the thing about this guy was, as a kid, he went to a Jewish religious school uh, where he, he not only learned his classic academic work, but also learned his Jewish theology. And at this religious school, um, one of the years he was there, he was placed into uh, the toughest rabbi's classroom. And this rabbi was known for his aggression as well as his staunch uh, theological positions. And uh, somewhere in the middle of the year, uh, Shalom's uh, teacher, the rabbi, decided that his name was part of the name of God. Now, now that being the case, that there are many names to God, not just Yahweh, but, but there were the names that were attributed to him, and one of those names was peace. And Shalom is peace. So anywhere that Shalom was used in the proper name category, or written in that way, it suddenly became, knowing your Jewish law, what? Blasphemy. It was known as blasphemy. And so now every time someone would say hi to Shalom and use his name, the rabbi would start yelling, Name of the Creator! And they would be punished. But worse than that, anywhere that his name was written, it was confiscated and destroyed. So poor Shalom, every time he pulled out his lunch bag that his mom wrote his name, Shalom on, the lunch was confiscated and the, name, and, and the rabbi would yell, Name of the Creator! Name of the Creator! Suddenly, also his gym clothes disappeared. Because written on it was his name Shalom. Or on the reverse, wearing gym clothes, he'd come back to find his jeans completely missing and in the trash. It got worse to the point to where one time where he was in the restroom washing his hands and a friend came in and greeted him. Hey, Shalom, how are you doing? On the other side of the stall, somebody started screaming, Name of the Creator! Name of the Creator! Well, for us, the fear of that word is gone. And what if I was to tell you that not only is the fear of that word gone, but the word itself has actually come to you. That there is no reason for us to name out of fear of punishment for not only using the name of God, but now you bear the name of God. It is written on your heart, on your head, on your mind, and all of that you are. Because of this one true thing, that the Word of God has come to you in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And we've started this series where we're describing something that we've taught in the past as cradle, cross, crown, and using the words of presence, pardon, and power as three ways to kind of summarize and describe the acts that God has done for you in the person of Jesus. That He, by coming into this world, has brought His presence by coming and dying in this world, has brought the pardon of God upon you. And by His resurrection and His ascension, has now bestowed the power of God on you. And so today we look at the presence of God in His Word. 
We know this very well because all of Advent, the reading of John chapter 1, keeps going throughout all of our services where there it is written, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. And so we hear in that part that that, uh, as the Word was in the beginning, it is also through that Word that all things have been created. Uh, Last week, Marcus spoke about this very creating Word coming to us in the flesh. And this Word is the Word that all was made through. And in Him, and in this Word, was life. What that means for us is that the Word of God that creates and makes has actually come into the very creation that it made. It's not distance, not far off, not, not a ways away, but here, among us and with us. Now, this is difficult often for us to stomach or to believe. And there are probably several different ways that we have actually jettisoned this in our lives. One way that we have thought that this can be absolutely ridiculous is by the fact that we are not worthy enough for the Word to come to us. That in our darkest and deepest times of doubt, where we reflect on who we are and what we have done, we think that there is no possible way that the Word of God would be so gracious as to come and land upon me. We become like the psalmist, lying in our own dirt and our own filth, questioning and wondering. And it is from there that some of our deepest and hardest prayers have even risen to the Lord, speaking like the psalmist. Be not far off from me, O God. Be not distant and be not far away. For I hunger and I thirst for you. It is a lie that when we are in those moments, that when we have offended God or others in such a way that God is not with us, For the promise of the presence of the Word is that it does not leave. It will not walk away. That in Christ the Word has come, and in the baptism you have received, and it's spoken, and it landing on you, it does not go, but remains. This is the steadfastness of the Lord that we talk about. But this arrives at the second way that oftentimes we deal with the word. That we question its power. We wonder in what ways this word can possibly do what we are attributing to it. How many of us have laid awake fearing and worrying about those that we know who have walked away from the faith? How many times have we prayed and wondered if the Lord would do what He has said He will do? And we ask, can His Word be so powerful? 
What is it that I need to do in order to change these hearts? What is it that I need to do to take upon myself to do what the Lord seems to not be doing? (laughs) That in itself is also a lie. I was watching a show the other day. And in the show, it was describing someone who was completely ill, and it was a, 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 a nun telling the kids, and, one, and she said, so you know what we need to do? And the person replied, oh, pray for the person, and the nun said, well, no, what good will that do? But how often have we thought the same? How often have we thought that turning to the actual Word of God is the last thing we think of? A thing that we just throw on top of everything else that we have tried to do. We walk around like Job instead, lamenting over the state of things, while all the while possessing the very thing that we need to turn to the Word of God. Do not doubt its power. For we know, as Scripture already tells us, that this Word of God is so powerful and so strong, it can cut between the things that we cannot see, between our spirit and our soul, between the bone and the marrow, the joints that fix us together, and it does the one thing that none of us could ever possibly do. It discerns the heart and the mind. showing its fullest power. And it is this word that has come to us. How has it shown its power among us? First and foremost, that we know that with this word, God was able to create. That when it is spoken, it has the ability to take those things which are dead and make them alive. Jesus showed this himself in speaking to Lazarus as he called it from the dead. We see this as Mary is standing outside of the tomb completely in uh, despair, thinking that his, uh, her Lord has been taken from her. And with one word, her heart transforms. From that which is focused on dead to that which is now alive. Mary. She responds, Rabboni. It is this word that gathered all of those things together and formed creation that made light. And it was that word, after all things were made, that can look upon you and me and still say, Good. Talk about a power there to see that within the hearts of each of us. Good. This word has shown its power in the way it has taken people like you and me and washing us, calling us to something new, remaking us daily and in new ways. A word that speaks of our past in ways that only knows forgiveness. Forgiveness. 
speaks of our future in ways of life and hope. John writes in his first epistle about the power of this word. He says, That which was from the beginning we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, and we have even touched with our hands concerning this word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify and proclaim it, which was the Father has made manifest to us. As we have seen, we have proclaimed, so that you all may have fellowship together. A word that calls all of the people of God from all the parts of the world and all of our different backgrounds and all of our different ways into one. That with this word coming into our world, we are no longer alone, but have been made into one. The presence of the word in Christ Jesus is a presence of the word that can be touched, can be seen, and can be heard and spoken. It takes the divided and it brings them into unity. It takes the dead and it brings it to life. It takes the sin and it turns it into cleanliness. It takes those which have been stained dark and turns them into white as snow. So with this, we hear the words of Psalm 51, the words that you know so well, because now in this word we can actually call upon our God. Let me hear the joy and the gladness of this word. Let the bones that you have broken, O Lord, rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit for me, from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing hand. To have the presence of the Word of God is the power to call upon this Word. To speak not only of, it, of the Word, but speak to the Word. That in all of our sin and in all of our life, to call upon our God and not to leave us, but to remain with us and to see us as His. Where is it in your life that you believe the Lord is absent? Where is it in your life that you have pushed the Word out? Which relationship of yours that has been so broken have you not allowed the Word to come and dismantle that division and bring unity? Where in your speech have you been lacking this Word? A convicting question. But an uplifting answer is there. Restore unto me a clean heart, O God. And by His Word and by His power, He will do that. So with that, I leave with this other convicting question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? The Word has come to you, so let us turn to that Word in prayer. Let us use its words in adoration of our God. Let us use that word in the reparation and the cleaning and the putting together of our relationships. 
Let us use that word in the reconciliation between us and God and between one another. What is it that you are waiting for? What is it in your life that has brought you death that the word can now turn to life? What is it that you have kept and wandered around like Job that is waiting to be redeemed? presence of God has come not only into this place, but to you by his word. So let these words be who we are. Let our prayer rise before him like in the Psalms, and let it be the statements in the world, healing, forgiving, and bringing life where we go. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.